It was the twilight of my grandmother's life. She was fading. Fading from the once viper-tongued woman who always had a quick and sharp retort to someone who was now, disappointingly, almost nice. My grandmother was very focused on image, and while she would have, I'm sure, liked for people to think that she was nice, she also seemed to view niceness as weakness in others. She was full of these types of contradictions. But now, now she was basically just a pile of mush, both literally and figuratively, in that she was physically very weak and was increasingly very sweet to people. My dad, despite having a very complicated relationship with her, had been taking care of my grandmother now for several years. We're talking every doctor's appointment, all her many medications, every meal, bathroom visit, shower, whatever, was dependent on him. A very far cry from her approach to caring for him as a child. Yet he did it day in and day out for years. Certainly not without complaint, but he did it. One day, he went to check in on her. She lived just upstairs, and he hadn't heard anything from up there in a couple of hours. Not her rolling around in her wheelchair, not calling out to him, not loudly talking on the phone, nothing. So he goes upstairs, and her apartment is dark. He knows she's definitely home, because he hadn't taken her anywhere, and she could no longer just get around on her own. He called out to her. No answer. He popped his head into her sitting room. Not there. Dining room? Kitchen? Not there. Finally, he walked down the hall and into her bedroom. And there she was. Sitting in her wheelchair, staring out the window. As he approached, he thought to himself that she had a very odd look on her face. One that in the 60 years he'd known her, he'd never really seen before. He slowly walked over to her, leaned in close, placed his hand on her near lifeless and now almost skeletal forearm. He asked if she was okay. Slowly, she lifted her head and turned toward him. She squeezed his hand tightly and very seriously said, I killed a man. Welcome to From Grandma with Shade, a podcast where I pay tribute to my outrageous and often problematic grandmother by sharing first and secondhand stories about her life. Although she would have loved the idea of a podcast about her, once I explained to her what a podcast was, she probably would not have really appreciated the stories that I've chosen to share with you. The stories are real though they have been embellished over time in the way that happens when a story is told many times over many, many years. Before we get back to today's story, let me give you a bit more context about my grandma and my family. A lot of people who knew my grandmother, primarily her family actually, would have described her as a bitch. And while it's a word that I imagine she would have found quite complimentary, it is so not enough. She was so much more than just a bitch. My grandmother was a devout nun, an I'm assuming very unorthodox teacher, a powerful business executive. She was a glamorous fashionista, 
a talented painter and potter, a badass who studied judo. She was opinionated and stubborn, though generally very wrong and quite often very racist. But to me, she was just my best friend in the world. I think you can take from that that this was not a time in my life where I was very popular among my peers. I started this podcast following my grandmother's passing as a fun thing to do for my family, to document some of the most notable, interesting, or funny stories about her, of which there are an abundance. The other motivator was that I get to do an impression of my grandmother, something that since she passed I've had very minimal opportunity to do, but something I always enjoyed, something I think she enjoyed as well. Often when my grandma said the most outrageous and scandalous things, I got the sense she was leaning into the voice, knowing that I would later repeat those things in my only minorly exaggerated impression. If she could hear this podcast, though, she would certainly say, Oh, Aaron, you do a terrible impression of me. I don't sound anything like that. I grew up in the 80s and 90s in a suburb of Toronto called Scarborough. The distance from the cosmopolitan world of downtown seemed an eternity to me. Most of the other kids at school, though, they seemed to relish the fact that there was more space outside to play, whatever the hell that means. They also loved that we were suburban enough that our parents just left us very unsupervised, even for the 80s. But I didn't love the suburbs. I loved every opportunity to visit downtown with my parents. Oh, imagining what it would be like to live there. It just seemed like such a magical place. My grandmother, however, she was there every day. She, according to her own lore, was the first female partner in a stock brokerage firm in North America, having worked her way up from secretary. Prior to entering the financial world, she'd actually been a nun in the 1940s, and as a nun, she was a teacher in inner-city Detroit before she left the convent to care for her sick father. In stark, almost shocking contrast to her nun's habit, as a 1980s business executive, she wore fur coats, tons of makeup, was always getting her hair done, was married to a new man who was quite successful went to fabulous restaurants and shows and on the most amazing vacations. All of these things made her hands down the coolest person I knew, a sentiment not really shared by the rest of my family, especially my dad and my aunt, her children. Now they had a good reason to feel this way. She certainly had not been an excellent mother to them. Perhaps she didn't really have the temperament for parenthood, exemplified by her, let's call them, hiatuses from motherhood, and eventually by leaving her kids to just fend for themselves when they were in their mid-teens and she divorced my grandfather. In her mind, she had been on her own since she was 16, forgetting of course that she had been living in a convent that provided her with room and board. I should say, in fairness to my grandmother, my grandfather also did not step up to take care of them. Having already moved on to a new wife and started a new family, Their abrupt decision left my dad and my aunt in a very precarious situation. Nowhere to stay, struggling to keep a roof over their heads and food on the table. This is just one example of her not being a great mom. But to a nighttime soap opera loving little gay boy growing up in this era, 
hearing these types of stories about her from the adults around me, my grandmother was like a real-life villain from Dallas or Falconcrest. Glamorous and fabulous, but cruel. Like having Maleficent in your family. Unlike how she treated her own children, my grandmother seemed to adore me. She would brag about me to anyone who would listen. She doted on me, loved to take me out and buy me things, came to every show, recital, and school event I was ever in, even saving the programs from each in a scrapbook. The two of us would kick back and watch Golden Girls together, her often saying, That's me! I'm Blanche! Only years later did I rewatch the show, now able to understand a lot of the jokes I did not as a child, and thought, oh damn, my grandma's a slut. But don't think for a second that I only got the rainbows and sunshine version of her, or that she was sweet and doting always. My grandmother was full of contradictions. I mean, hello, she was a nun and a slut. Sure, she adored me, and would tell others how great I was. But she would tell me quite the opposite when other people weren't around. Too fat, bad teeth, tendency to procrastinate, or as she would have said, LAZY! When I was about five or six, my grandma retired, right at the same time she decided to leave her second husband. He was rich. They lived in a very luxurious penthouse, you know the ones that take up the entire floor of a building and the elevator just opens right up into your apartment? with panoramic views overlooking the entire city. Now, for total transparency, that penthouse was in a place called Oshawa. If you've never heard of it, please don't look it up. It'll shatter the fabulous image that you have in your head right now. But apparently, his wealth was not enough to cancel out the fact that he was a huge prick, even violent at times. Having retired and divorced, my grandmother was suddenly awash in time. She rented a house not far from where my parents and I lived, and her daily adventures downtown turned into going downtown just every couple of weeks for lunch with the girls. My dad and my stepmom seemed simultaneously concerned that she would be close by, and relieved by the fact that she would be able to help with childcare. I didn't really understand these torn feelings at the time. I mean, my grandma was the best. Safe to say the proximity and her babysitting really gave us the opportunity to develop a bond. And later, when I was about 12, my parents, my grandmother, and I all moved in together. At that point, our friendship was cemented. Through my teen years, my grandmother and I remained very close. Almost abnormally so. But once I moved out on my own and made some friends my own age, we drifted apart. The next few years, I really saw her mostly at family gatherings. But we were always quick to slip into our usual dynamic. Me making fun of her and her scoffing at my jibes while not so secretly loving the attention. I know this may all sound a little bit mean-spirited, but these quick-witted jabs? That was how we said I love you in my family. A couple of years ago, when I was about 40 and she was about 90, my grandmother died, surrounded by her family, after a long battle with Alzheimer's and dementia, a mere whisper of the person that she once was. Though towards the end of her life, we were certainly not as close as we once were, 
The loss was very significant for me and my family. Popular among family? Not really. Sweet? Kind? Loving? No, no, and no. But she was the matriarch, and she held us together. Even when it was just that we were all aligned with each other due to our mutual frustrations with her. And she could definitely be frustrating. She was very strong-willed, opinionated, and not shy about sharing those opinions in the most scathing way possible. Given her personality, I suppose we shouldn't really be shocked that she killed someone. We should be shocked that nobody killed her. Now, back to today's murderous tale. This wasn't the cold-blooded ice-pick-to-the-heart murder you may be thinking. There were, of course, extenuating circumstances. It was her ex-husband. Remember the one I mentioned earlier? Some rich prick who hit her? This story comes to us courtesy of my aunt. My grandmother never told this to me herself, but I guarantee you that in her version she did absolutely nothing wrong. She was never one for accepting blame or admitting wrong. That was definitely not her style. Well, after her divorce, my grandmother had seemingly bounced right back. She retired, got a new place, she'd even moved on romantically, having started a new relationship. It was very early days of this relationship, but it was one that would ultimately thrive for the next 30 years and provide me with the kind of grandfather any kid would be lucky to have. Now, despite this blossoming relationship, my grandmother was still, oh, how do you say this respectfully as someone's grandson, banging her ex-husband. So one day she goes to Oshawa to see him. She parks in the underground, gets out of her car, and takes the elevator all the way up to the penthouse. When she gets off the elevator, she looks around, taking in that beautiful view that she used to wake up to every morning. She calls out to her ex-husband. No answer. She checks the living room, dining room, kitchen. No sign of him. She calls out again, and no answer. Now she's just getting annoyed. I mean, why had she driven all this way for nothing? As she's just about to leave, she finally sees him. On the floor in the hallway. Slumped over and barely conscious looking like he just had a heart attack or stroke or something. Seeing this, her first thought was not to help him. Naturally, her first thought was that her new boyfriend might find out if she were to call 911 and get her ex-husband the help he so desperately needed. As such, she did what anyone would do in this situation. She gingerly stepped back over him, proceeded back to the elevator, down to the parking lot, into her car, back on the highway, and back home. If you're thinking that she called an ambulance from her cell phone, I'll remind you that this was the 90s and that was so not a thing yet. But once she got home, probably about 30 minutes later, she absolutely still did not call 911. Instead, she phoned my aunt, her daughter and my dad's sister who lived quite near. Good morning, dear. My aunt must have been suspicious right away from the sweet greeting. She must have known my grandma wanted something. I need a little favor. I need you to swing by my old apartment. I was just there this morning and found your ex-stepfather in the most unfortunate way. Slumped over, clearly having had some sort of cardiac event. 
Well, I can't have people knowing that I was still seeing him. I have a reputation to uphold. So I left. I'm sure at this point my aunt probably said something along the lines of, So you just left him there to die? Being already at her wit's end with my grandmother, a constant state really, not wanting to be involved and being at home with two kids under three, my aunt declined. Well, declined is probably a very polite description. Presumably her response was something more like, Deal with it yourself. If you think I'm packing up two small children and taking them to go pretend to find some half-dead asshole, you're crazy. As you would expect, having now been thoroughly chastised by my aunt, my grandmother immediately picked up the phone and called the authorities and had urgent medical attention sent to her ex-husband. Just kidding. She decided to turn in for the evening and figure it out the next day when she woke up. The next morning, still not wanting to be busted for her ongoing dalliances with her ex, and having been brutally rebuffed by my aunt, my grandmother had an idea. So she contacted her ex-husband's son from a previous marriage, pseudo-naively asking him, Have you heard from your father today? I've been calling and calling, but no answer. I'm so worried. You should really go check in on him. The son rushed to the penthouse and found his father still slumped over on the floor, breathing but not conscious. He ran to the phone and urgently called 911. In mere minutes, the ambulance arrived, quickly getting his father to the hospital. The doctor in the ER advised the son that his father had suffered a massive heart attack and that the prognosis was not good. If only they'd gotten him there sooner, they remarked. After a few no-doubt stressful hours at his bedside, miraculously, he regained consciousness and immediately told his son what had happened. That my grandmother had been there and had simply stepped right over him and left him there to die. Then, with that, he promptly died. Well, next thing you know, my grandmother gets a call from the police. I wish I could tell you exactly what happened on this call. What lies or embellished truths or alternative facts my grandmother told thinking it would get her out of trouble. Safe to say though that she did not admit any wrongdoing at all to the police, likely denying having even been there. Shortly thereafter, my aunt gets a phone call from the police, now asking for her version of events. Well, she gives them the straight goods. My mother called me, told me that she found him like that, left him there and went home. She then asked me to go there, pretend to discover him, and call 911 to get him help. Well, I told her that I would in no way help her and that she needed to deal with it herself. The police officer thanked my aunt for her candor and told her that her account of events was exactly what they had heard from the son, but very different from what my grandmother had told them. And this is the last that anyone in my family ever heard about this. I suppose that means no charges, no real legal implications, nada. I mean, unless my grandma did a stint in jail that she told none of us about. And actually, you know what? If it weren't for the fact that we were so close at the time, I honestly wouldn't have put it past her. She did love her secrets. Okay. 
so perhaps it would be more accurate, though a degree less captivating, to say that my grandmother once left a man for dead. Stepped right over him, though, and just left him there to die. My grandma loved to find a loophole, a way to admit no wrongdoing. So to her, she absolutely did not technically kill this man. Which makes me think that it's possible that when she said, I killed a man, to my dad, she might actually have been talking about somebody else. Join me next week for a new tall tale of the old short woman I called Grandma. Next week on From Grandma with Shade, another fatal sounding story when Grandma gets shot, and so do I. <laughs>